Well, I've never had a war correspondent on the uh, Better Presentations, More Sales podcast, ladies and gentlemen, but I have this week a war correspondent who has now become a business consultant, taking the lessons you know that he's learned on the battlefield into, as he says, the boardroom. So, watch out. This is going to be a great episode, as usual. Welcome, everybody. This is episode 174, Better Presentations, More Sales Podcast. Now, on today's show, I've got Sean Rhodes. Sean's a former war correspondent. And as I mentioned in the preamble there, he has this concept, this, this process and these systems that he's taken from the battlefield, literally, because he's been, he was observing. When you're a war correspondent, you see everything that's going on. And he's observed what's going on around it. And he's going to share with you some of the techniques that he's now put into action in companies in the boardroom. So they're going to be some great stuff. And he's got three really good questions for you to ask yourself after every single sales meeting that you've had. So listen out because they will be really valuable to you. And if you ask those three questions, as he said, it will make you a lot better as a both as a company and as a salesperson as well. So they'll be coming up in the podcast Welcome. Let's go. Well, let's not hang around anymore. Let's go and meet the former war correspondent. Who is Sean Rhodes? Welcome, Sean, to the show. Here he comes. So, Sean, hey, it's great to have you on the podcast. Really looking forward to this episode. So, would you like to tell our listeners a little bit about yourself, please? Sure thing, Trevor. First, thanks for having me. It's great to come to you from Tampa, Florida. A little bit about my background, I came to sales in a really weird way. Instead of just coming in straight through the world of business, my foray into sales started on the battlefield. I was a war correspondent embedded with the U.S. Marine Corps and got to serve multiple combat tours with them and was able to work alongside every branch of the U.S. military, including some uh, foreign ones as well, like British Royal Marines. Got to meet some of your folks out there and Australian forces, New Zealanders, Kiwis, you name it, I probably served alongside of them. And what I was doing for those folks was studying how they were able to achieve what others thought was impossible. And I found it actually made them bulletproof, not because they had superhuman powers, but because they were the recipients of hundreds of years of lessons, of systems, of processes that kept them alive on the battlefield. And when I entered the field of business for myself and began working with teams as a consultant, I realized, wow, most of us are relying on hope in our sales strategy a lot more than we should. So it's been my mission ever since then to help organizations, sales teams, and individual salespeople remove that hope to get better results. Great stuff. And so um, was that always the, always the plan then, Sean, when you, 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 know, you gave up being a war correspondent? Were you, you know, did you suddenly overnight think, you know, becoming this, uh, this business consultant or was there a gap in between or how did that happen? There was a gap in between. I recognized I always loved communicating. I always loved teaching. And if it was going to be uh, you know, getting out of the Marine Corps and the military and figuring out what I wanted to do with the rest of my life, I actually started off as a high school history teacher. Uh, and here in the United States, they don't make a lot of money and they're expected to work very long hours. So I said, as, as fulfilling as that work would be, I have uh, higher aspirations for the quality of my life I want to be able to provide for my family. And I love teaching those that were very interested in learning. And I find that when you're an entrepreneur or a salesperson or a sales leader, and you're held to a standard and you need to meet a goal in order to keep the lights on, 
you're pretty motivated to implement what folks like you, Trevor, are telling them to do. Great, great stuff, Sean. So how did you go about then taking all those, as you say, those processes and structures that you'd seen on the battlefield and then take them into businesses and convince them that, you know, that they need to do this rather than, as you say, rely on luck and hope that it, you know, that it happens? Well, it started off with my own business. So as a brand new small business owner, as a consultant, I'd gotten to work with some of the largest organizations on the planet just on their payroll. But then when I decided I wanted to try this on my own, I realized I didn't have any systems in place. And so when revenue did show up, I had no idea where it was coming from. Was it that networking event I went to? Was it that webinar that I had been on? Was it that podcast I'd been interviewed on? No idea. And so I decided because the money was running out and the bills were due at the same time every month, I need to try something consistently. And that way I'll know, do those steps in that order work to generate revenue or do I need to try something else? But at least then I'll know, hey, this system works or it doesn't. Well, it turns out because I was doing something on a schedule and I was being consistent and persistent, that one simple system, it's a you know, very simple outbound sales cadence that most of your listeners have probably been told to try at one point. Uh, you know, just find the person that's supposed to be making the decision, make a phone call, but don't give up there, send an email, send some direct mail, follow up on LinkedIn, all the things we know to do as salespeople, but so often we forget to do because we are hoping. When I began doing those things consistently, my business started to take off. And through some of the processes that I then began transferring from the military into my own sales vertical of my business, things really began to, to kick forward. And those are exactly the things that I've been blessed to be able to teach organizations and sales teams how to do. Yeah, it's really interesting because on my other screen, I've got your website, you know, up there. And I, uh, you, you, I'm looking at your, uh, your video just caught my eye then as you were speaking. But I mean, I, yeah, I, isn't it interesting how, you know, what you learn about for yourself you then realize that you 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 know you get a you get you th- you assume don't you that everybody knows this and everybody's doing it like you are and then you find out they're not and then there's right. the opportunity isn't it exactly and that could apply to anybody that's listening right now no matter what you sell whether it's a product or a service if you realize say you know my my customers and my prospects they're trying to achieve something that i can help them do better faster more efficiently cheaper well there's your end right there And so the question now is not, is the quality of the product or service I have good enough to get their attention? The question is, are you willing to do something that is systemized, that is persistent and consistent in order to get their attention and get them into a conversation? So people listening to this, Sean, they could be salespeople, could be sales managers, owners of businesses, whoever. So what would you say to them in terms of getting them to do a quick you know, look at themselves and say, you know, have they got the systems and processes in place? Are there any obvious things that they should have, you know, they should, they should be checking in on uh, to, to know whether they, you know, they, they've got a, a good system or process in place? Absolutely. I'd say that if you're leading a team, let's start there. If I was going to separate every member of your team out and put them in a room by themselves, give them a sheet of paper and then ask them to map their sales process out, they could probably do it individually. But then if I brought your team back together, how many of those sheets of paper would look remotely alike? And because I've actually gotten to run this exercise in many organizations, I can tell you that very few people ever have the same sales process across a single company. And that's not because they're bad salespeople. It's because their leadership team hasn't taken the time to sit down and say, here's the process we need to follow. 
And I do expect you to be unique. I'm not expecting you to walk in lockstep. You're going to bring your own personality and your own skill set to this job. But if I have to pull you out or for some reason you're called out of action, family issue, you know, we just faced a pandemic where a lot of people had to take care of family that they were previously able to, you know, work away from. Now they're all smacked in the same house together. If that happens again, I need to know that I can assume your accounts, that I can keep my business rolling even if you have to step away. And unfortunately, Trevor, too many sales leaders find themselves in the position where their salespeople have all of their notes, all of their knowledge, and all of their processes in their heads. And that's not a good place to start when you're trying to build systems. And so are you, are you, are you suggesting that you know, there's implementation of uh, you know, CRM systems, Sean, as, as a way of getting that all into the same place? Yeah, if you're not using a CRM, um, I'd, I'd take a serious look at investing in one. Even if you have a budget of $40 a month and you're an entrepreneur and you're just getting your, your start in business, if you're trying to keep track of more than five or six prospects, which means that you know hopefully you are because you're trying to make sales, uh, at about the five or six prospect point, we have to really find a way to get that out of our heads. Even if you're not running any kind of an outbound campaign, which a lot of CRMs are beautiful at allowing you to do, just to keep the notes and the phone numbers and the email addresses straight, please get that out of your head. And so inside of a CRM, you can do a lot of very interesting things. And I know we're going to talk about presentations. So there's a lot that you can do inside of a CRM to really prep for a great sales presentation and to get better after every single presentation as well. Things that are very tough to do inside of a Word document or a spreadsheet. And uh, that's a neat link in, actually, because, yeah, to, to uh, pick your brains here on um, when you are doing sales presentations. And the, as you say, having a process and a structure, because... Well, not many people have them, do they? Right. Yeah, we, we step in or we pick up the phone and we find ourselves in a meeting. Happens to me today. It happens today. It's going to happen tomorrow. I extemporaneously find myself in sales meetings because I finally get a hold of the decision maker and they're like, hey, you got me on the phone. What's up? Well, if you're not ready to go right then, if you say, well, listen, you know, I, I didn't think I was going to get you on the phone, but I, I'd like to sell you something, but I can't do it right now. Would you mind carving an hour out of your schedule for me three weeks hence when I have time to prepare? That's not going to work. So you want to have a couple of things lined up on your prospects and on your own process so that if you find yourself in one of those sales meetings kind of off the cuff, you're ready to roll. You have the highest chance of success. Now, best case scenario, you have something on the calendar and you have time to prep. You know you're getting together with Jane Smith at a certain time on a certain day, and you can do some things ahead of time to maximize your chances of success. But I'll tell you, Trevor, the, the magic happens when we talk about becoming bulletproof as a sales team, the magic happens after the sales meeting. And that allows us to get better at every sales meeting that ever comes after that. And uh, we can we can dive anywhere you want to from there because I just gave you a lot of things we could talk about. <laughs> well, you've set, you've set the ball rolling there with the intrigue with our listeners now, Sean, talking about the yeah. magic after that. So uh, so why don't, we, uh, why don't we step into there and let's find out what this magic sure. is, if you're happy to share it. Yeah, let's talk about what most salespeople do after their sales meetings. Uh, most salespeople might take a note or two. If a, if a proposal was requested, of course, they'll get that out of the door, whatever their sales process is. Um, but so many salespeople will drop the ball after a meeting by not owning the next step. So let's start there. Because even if your prospect says, I love it, uh, I'm, I'm on your website now, I'm going to submit an order because you have a, an online e-commerce platform, I'm going to get that order in today. You'll see that, that, that cash hit the bank today. Even if that happens, do not leave it up to your prospect or your customer to decide the success of your business. No matter what they promised you, be the, the one that's guiding them, that's leading them down the path of becoming more successful 
through your product or service. And that starts with owning the next step. So if you don't hear from them, if they don't get that proposal back to you at a certain date, even if they promise on the, the pain of death of their firstborn child that this is going to happen, even then, set a reminder inside your CRM, put it on your calendar, get it on your phone, that you're going to reach back out to that person and make sure they have everything they need, no questions, provide more value to them, of course, at every step. But that's the first thing, always on the next step. Now, after a sales meeting, assuming that you've done that, you've got that part knocked out, there are three questions that I encourage companies that I work with to ask after sales meetings. And this is a debrief process that we've modeled off of what we saw the highest performing teams in the military do after every single mission, Trevor. No matter how beat up, bloody they were, before they were allowed to check into medical and get their wounds treated, they had to do a debrief because they understood the importance of this. It keeps people alive on the battlefield and it keeps people successful in business. Well, here are the three questions to ask after a sales meeting. First question is I want you to debrief yourself as a salesperson. Ask, what could I have done differently knowing what I now know about how that conversation went? What could I have researched? What could I have prepared? What should I have known walking in there now that the whole thing is done and I have perfect hindsight 2020 vision? And capture those things outside of your head, get them written down somewhere. Second question I want you to do is I want you to ask about the company that you just spoke to, their organization, the decision maker that you spoke with. First, you, you asked yourself, what should I have known as a salesperson? Second question, knowing what I now know about that decision maker, the person I just spoke with, what should I have walked in there with? Should I have known what universities they might have attended? Should I have known about their business, what their, their strategic goals were because they've been published online because they're a publicly traded company? What could I have researched going in there knowing what I now know that would have better prepped me for success? And the final question, is I want you to debrief your company as a salesperson. So if I work for the Widget Manufacturing Corps, my final question is what could my company have done to better prepare me for success? Should I have received training in how to handle a couple of specific objections that I ran into? Uh, you know, could I have brought some product samples because they were requested? Should I have brought a pricing sheet, at least had it in my briefcase so I had it ready to go or on my phone, I could show it to that prospect and I didn't have it and it slowed down the sales process. If you can ask those three questions and write down what you find out, now you have a way to close those gaps, both with yourself in future decision makers and for your own company so that you can get better and better after every sales meeting. And I can tell you, Trevor, after doing this myself and teaching other salespeople how to do this, you won't have competition in your market because no one is taking the time to continuously improve like this in the field of sales. So if you'd like to get better, you'd like to have more market share and provide more value to your clients and customers, that's the way to get it done. Do you think that's, in, that's a really interesting point, Sean, but do you think generally from your experiences that you find that businesses and individuals, they have a kind of way of doing things and they think that's great, doesn't need to get any better. And therefore, as you say, they, they never reflect on how they can actually, you know, as you know, in, in the sports field, we call it marginal gains, you know, yeah. little enhancements. Do you think that's a, a big opportunity that a lot of companies are missing out on because of that attitude? I think it is. And you, you brought up a key point, and I, I want to drive this home. So please chisel it in stone for, for your listeners. Don't just run this process, the process I just gave you, those three questions, when you lost the sale or when they didn't need a proposal. It's almost as critical, if not more important, that you run that process if you win the sale. Yeah, because you want to capture what worked. Yeah. Right? You know, I, I did I did look at his LinkedIn profile. I did find out she has uh, two kids and a, uh, a Boston Bull Terrier. 
And that was really valuable because it allowed me to establish rapport. Well, I, you better believe if that was a good enough deal, I'm doing that on every prospect until the end of time because it might help. And so if you can do that, even on the sales that you win, it's going to make a massive difference. But to your original question, you know, do we get comfortable? Absolutely. But if you decide that good enough is good enough, I promise your competition is going to eat your lunch. And that's you have younger, faster competitors. They're <laughs> going to want that business too. And they're willing to do what we're talking about. And that's really interesting. That point I think you make about, um, you know, do it when you win as well as when you lose. Because I, I imagine, I don't, you know, I'll get your view on this, that we often, uh, you know, beat ourselves up a bit when we don't win something. And, you know, we, that's when we do the analysis. But we never, we never actually stop to think, well, why did we win it? Maybe even ask the customer, why did you pick us? Yeah, absolutely. And this is something that I build in um, even after my engagements are done. So I've delivered my product or service uh, that, that prospect's about to roll off or they're about to you know, go into a holding pattern or they don't need what I have for a while or they're, they're a long-term customer. It's even good to do it in that case as well. But to take the time to sit down with them and do a customer debrief instead of just a sales meeting debrief to say, hey, you know, when we got together, you told me you were trying to achieve X. Has my product or service helped you do that? Is there a way that we could have done that better? How could the early stages of our relationship have improved? What would have caused you to jump on board as a customer faster? What did you have to wait to hear? Because I finally stumbled into it that really would have made a difference earlier on. And if you have enough rapport and trust with a customer, solid gold is what you get out of those things, assuming that you implement what it is you learn. And this really ties in probably to the, the larger issue of sales systems, which we help organizations build, is that even if you find a nugget of information, like, hey, you know, if, if you'd have given me a pricing sheet uh, during that first meeting, I'd have known that you could have easily beat every competitor I was looking at. We would have become customers that day. But for whatever reason, it just wasn't available. Well, if I know that ahead of time, now what I can do is make sure that every single one of my salespeople and every one of my peers has a pricing sheet on hand. Yeah. So that they never have to run into that problem again and lose a sale for the same reason I did. But I'll tell you, Trevor, because I studied this, most salespeople and most organizations are making the same mistakes as everyone else on their team. And I know this because I ask sales leaders, if you map out all the problems you help your salespeople solve, how many of them are repeat issues? And it's something like 85, 90% same problems every week solved for different people. Well, that's a waste of a sales leader's time. I got to be honest with you. When you can solve it once with the process or a system and let your salespeople go out there and do what they were made to do. Well, that's interesting, that, isn't it? Because, you know, when you, when you introduce yourself, Sean, you talked about, I, I, you know, I think you referred or you may have used the term, you know, you, as a walk-on correspondent, you were embedded with all the troops and all this stuff. So, you know, and you mentioned there about, you know, implementing what you learn. So how do you, uh, you know, you can go along, I'm sure, you know, I mean, there's, there's lots of people gone along into organizations with ideas, great ideas, and, you know, it's all great. And everybody does it for a couple of weeks, and then it starts to mm-hmm. drift and all that. So have oh, you got yeah. any uh, techniques that, you know, for our listeners and, and the way you maybe operate to say, right, you know, we, this is embedded into the way we do things going forward. It's not just uh, for this, you know, it's not just for this week, you know. Right. And so uh, the mistake that a lot of people make, especially if you're selling a service, is to convince your buyer that they need a massive overhaul of the way that they do things. And I get that that five figure or six figure commission check that you get when you sell that really big, you know, all inclusive service or product offering that you have is a nice thing. The problem is, is implementation. And so what I advise people to do in the way that I sell in my own business now 
is I want to make sure that I'm addressing a top line challenge that you have that's the burning platform that everybody knows needs improvement. And even if your company is doing great, everybody's meeting number, it's that one thing that you recognize, wow, we really have to leverage this strategic advantage in this area and start selling more of those widgets or make sure that our customers know about this feature that this product has that no other of our competitors can touch. Whatever that is, start there because people recognize the value. They may not get the fact, hey, you know, that massive cultural overhaul might be nice, but yeah, that's going to require a lot of change at once. And there's a high failure rate for those types of initiatives. Yeah. Instead, start small. And that one thing with your product or service, you're going to be able to discover that out of your customer very quickly. When you ask, what challenges are you having this year? Because even if I can't solve them for you, I'll mine my network. I want to be a long-term relationship for you. I'll find somebody that can help, even if I don't have the ability to do it. And start listening to what you hear. And if you can build a bridge between what you sell and that outcome that your prospects are looking for, you've mastered the game. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess, Sean, one of the ways of starting, you know, without the major overall is simply those three questions, isn't it, that you mm. suggested? Absolutely. Yeah. So even after your sales meetings, uh, and this is something that I advise salespeople do with their sales leaders. Uh, if you're a shop of one, then you got to do it on your own. But if you have a sales leader, have them ask the questions of you and have them be the ones to take the notes and make the records. And that way, when they go to their management team or they're at your weekly sales meeting, they'll know, hey, you know, three or four of you had a problem with this one objection. So let's talk about it as a group now. Somebody solved it or somebody knows somebody who solved it. Let's get this out of our heads onto paper. Let's get trained in how to overcome that objection so that my team of 12 doesn't continue to suffer from the same lockdown of a sale that happens out of the singular objection we tend to hear most often. But I don't want to let, you know, everyone in my team wait three decades to get good enough to overcome it. I want those results today. And this is how that happens. Fantastic. Well, Sean, absolutely great. Now, in a second or two, I'm going to ask you to uh, just to just so we can wrap this up with one or two top tips, maybe that our listeners can put into action. But you've got a lot of resources I know available to them, your website, you've got a book, a podcast in there, your own. So would you like to just... Uh, Tell listeners how they can find your resources, basically, and uh, I'll put the details in the show notes. Absolutely. In line with our mission of helping salespeople remove hope from their sales strategy, we stood up a website called bulletproof-selling.com. So bulletproof-selling.com. On that website, you'll find an absolutely free sales assessment that takes five minutes. You can run through that. That'll get you an immediate sales system to help you with your top sales challenge. We have a podcast that releases every single Monday where we get to interview top sales leaders like Trevor around the systems that are working for them out there in the field. And we release a new sales system every Thursday as well around a variety of issues. So a complete system that you can use no matter the size of your goals or the size of your team right there every Thursday. And of course, they're all archived there at bulletproof-selling.com. If you're really interested in diving deep, the book we released this uh, year is actually Bulletproof Selling. You can find that on Amazon and audiobook and in Kindle, wherever books are sold. Fantastic. That's really good. Well, I'll put all the links uh, to all those in the, in the show notes, Sean. So to round it off, um, you know, if, if, if listeners can take away a couple of tips from you that uh, you may have mentioned them already, but um, that they can implement and make a difference right now, you know, to as they uh, move to, you know, you know, to replace hope with certainty, what would those be? So I'd say first, start tracking the challenges that you're running into. So for my salespeople, they're required to keep a little notepad next to their desk. And throughout the day, as they run into objections or problems using the CRM or trouble finding someone's direct contact information, 
they'll start capturing those things on a sheet of paper. They bring those to me, or for you, if you're a solo you know, operator, they had, you know, carve off an hour a week to really do some strategic work on your business and take a look at all the challenges you ran into and say, which ones repeated, which ones caused the most impact or damage to my brand, to my company, to my goals. Let's start solving those. The challenge, if we don't do that, Trevor, is that we tend to just gloss over them because we're all professional problem solvers or we wouldn't be in the business of sales. But if we don't take the time to really start capturing things and permanently solving them, I promise those challenges are going to crop back up and continue to drag down our performance. Fantastic. Fantastic. Right. I shall make that in there. Great stuff. Well, Sean, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. Some real, some fantastic stuff in there. I'll put those three questions uh, in the show notes as well. I'll, I'll re-listen back to the podcast and make sure I get them right. <laughs> um, but no, it's been a, an absolute pleasure having you on the show. So all I can say on behalf of our listeners is, you know, thank you very much indeed. My pleasure, Trevor. Thanks for having me on. So what about those three questions that I mentioned? They're great questions, aren't they? So what could I have done differently? You know, now that I've, you know, now I know what I know, having had that sales meeting, a really good question. And the second question, what should I have known about the company before I went into the meeting? And interestingly, you know, that's, the, you know, nowadays you can find out so much, don't you? So you never, you, there's no excuse really, is there, for being caught out on not knowing enough about the company before you go in. You know, you can research the company, you can research the individuals, you know, you can go in there armed. And lots of people don't do that, as Sean said. So you will stand out. If you just pick up one or two things about somebody that you can draw and make, you know, attention to in the meeting, just casually throw it in there. It will make such a difference to the way they view you. Because people will respond if they think you've put some time and effort into the meeting before the meeting. And then, of course, you know, what could your company have done to help you you know, be successful or, you know, if you were successful, what could you've done to get even more successful? You know, and that's a good one as well. And that's the sort of information that you then need to report back to your organization and your company. This is the training I need. This is the help that I need that will make it better. And I find that particularly when I'm working with people on presentations because companies basically don't invest enough in presentation training. It's simple as that. So if you're listening to this and you need some help with, you know, presentation training, pitch training, winning more pitches, then get in touch. Go to my website, trevorleemedia.co.uk and you know, make, let's have a conversation. You can go onto the website, you can book a Zoom call with me, 15, 20 minutes, no obligation. We can talk about you know, what you want to get for you or your team when it comes to presentations so that you are more successful, that, you, know, you're, you win more presentations or you win more sales pitches as well. So I've got lots and lots of interesting ideas around how we can do that. And we can do it on Zoom. We can do it in short sessions. They're really very powerful these days, all those short sessions. So, again, thanks very much to Sean. All the connections for Sean are in the show notes. If you do like the podcast, then please share it with others. Comment on it on LinkedIn. That would be amazing. You know, tag me in on that. That would be fantastic to see that. And, um, you know, leave a review. That would be amazing as well. So, thanks for listening. See you soon.